0: Good morning, Saints. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you're glad. You know, I haven't had to say for a really long time. Yes, Pastor John. What's getting into you? <laughs> listening, huh? Good, good. I'm listening to the worship this morning and I'm like, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna make Ben Pentecost cu- uh no, what what's the word? Baptocostals out of you, which is a good thing. Don't anybody take that as an insult? I see that as a wonderful thing. I would love us to teach like good, solid Baptists do, and that means biblically, and worship like Pentecostals, because <laughs> that means he's real, right? He's alive. Is he worthy? Yes. Oh, man, what a great song. Uh, where, where, where'd Mike go? Mike. Whoa. Yeah. How did you get in my mind this week? I'm not kidding. What, you just, what that song just communicated is clearly in the message today. And we never talked about it. Don't you love it when God does stuff like that? And it happens to me like once every decade. You know, it's like, no, really. Isn't it fun? It's a God thing. It really is. I'm glad you're here today. If you're visiting, uh, we're, we want to welcome you. This is Palm Sunday. Uh, We had a little education on what this means. And I also have felt like I I just read it in my own devotionals. I'm in uh, Leviticus. I started the Bible over. I'm in Leviticus, one of the most exciting books. (laughs) Plowing through. And uh, I come across, actually, Leviticus is full of really good stuff. It's there for a reason, and the celebration of the Feast of Booths, the children of Israel are supposed to take branches off trees and rejoice before the Lord. Now, they use them to build booths, but listen to all the, where do you think that thing happened on Palm Sunday? Where do you think that comes from? It, it's the antique noisemaker. I know I'm not making a lot of noise. I need a whole bunch of them, but it makes noise. And we celebrate before the Lord, like waving banners and flags and all of that. So that's what that was about. We're not going to collect them, burn them, and put them on your forehead. we We don't do that. That's down the road. Thank you. Thank you, brother, for getting my job ended. Okay. If you're with us today, uh, we are working through the book of Hebrews, and I also love it when a plan comes together by divine providence that the book we're in fits with the schedule of the church, if you will Palm Sunday and Easter. Because the book of Hebrews is constantly talking about the better things that we have in Jesus. And He is better, and uh, He is a good Savior and a good King. And Today, uh, I am going to speak about There is a King. I had a possible alternative title. I'll fill you in on that in a few minutes. But as we look at the scripture, what I'd like to do is have you turn in your Bibles to uh, the book of Hebrews. It's page 1196 in the black Bible in the seat in front of you if you don't have your own. I'd like you to read it with me so you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at, and then we will... Uh, look at other texts that will be put on the screen to make it easy for you. And um, if you're visiting with us, if you're a person who's wondering about what Christianity is all about, I think this morning might be helpful for you. And um, what I would like to do is just take a minute to have uh, all our elders and deacons, deaconesses in the room to stand for just a minute. I have a reason I'm doing this. It's not to embarrass anybody, although I'm succeeding at that probably. Uh, anybody else? We got them right here. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Quit fibbing. The only reason I want you all to be able to see these people is because suppose you listen to the word and go, I have a question about that. These are the people you can seek out. Okay. You can ask them pastors. Oh, you're supposed to be... I, I'm sorry, one of our pastors is preaching up in Monticello today. His name is Pastor Tim Strait, works with our young people, assistant pastor. He's preaching up north. I, I let him out once in a while. And uh, Pastor Derek is sitting right here, but I'm going to make him stand too, please, Pastor Derek. Don't be alarmed. He has a British accent. He, he's, not, there's, he's not dangerous. And uh, we just want you to know, if you have a question, myself and some of these people, when we're done at the end of the service, I'll ask some of you to linger up front in case someone has a question about what does it mean to know Jesus or apply this verse that Haka was talking about, okay? Thank you all for standing up, putting up with me. I'm going to ask, um, I don't do this very often, but I feel this morning the need for some prayer support. So I'm going to ask two people to uh, volunteer to pray and ask God to let us look into the eternal and into the heavenly just a little bit. Some of us are already wondering what we're doing for lunch. I hope we can back off and think about what is God saying to us? What is He saying to me this morning if He's God? This is hard to believe. You ever have trouble keeping up with emails or texts? You're fibbing. <laughs> God has no trouble keeping up with all of your interests, your life. He's interested not in your spiritual life, as John Ortberg said. He's interested in your life, period. Your life is what is spiritual. So, can I get a couple of volunteers just to ask God to help us today? Don Nauta, you're one. And uh, it's first come, first serve. No, I got Shirley. Sorry, she beat you. And we can't have more than two pray. Because I will close after that. Why don't you stand where you are, pray loudly so everybody can hear you. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are worthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yes, Lord, hear these prayers, especially, God, that our adversary would be defeated and that we would have ears to hear and that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're in a little part of the earth down here in the Middletown area in this little assembly called Harmony. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help your servants. Those who hear, he who speaks needs help desperately by your grace. In the great name of Jesus, we rely on you and all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Hebrews chapter 1 and our text today is looking at verse 8 and on. And remember last week we looked at angels, and they have, they don't hold a candle to our Savior Jesus. That's the whole point of chapter 1, as glorious as they may be. And he picks up with this, not to the angels, but to the Son, he says, verse 8, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. You're the one. You're the anointed king. You're the Messiah. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they all will become old like a garment." And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said? He did say to the Son this, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The word of the Lord. Amen, right? Isn't that cool? So there it is. Is the earth groaning under... It was in the song, right? It's what it's talking about, what's coming. People have asked me on occasion, we at communion time here, and I know it's not communion morning, so I'm like totally messing us up. (laughs) At communion, we often have a little ceremony that I hate to admit I introduce to harmony. I'm a troublemaker. I'm a meddler. I know it. And that is when we're done, we say to the king and to his kingdom and people have wondered where that has come from. And I've shared this once before, but you're going to have to indulge me today because everybody loves fairy tales. Don't they? Stories. You know, think of all the stories that are about the classic war between good and evil. Star Wars. No, I'm serious. Harry Potter. Oh Christians can't. Oh, please. It's. Good against evil, it's crystal clear. It's crystal clear, right? The Matrix. I mean, go down the line of all of these epic stories. It's good against evil. You're always rooting for the good guy, unless you're a little different. Okay. You want to see the good guy win. Am I right? So David and Karen Burton Maines wrote a book called Tales of the Kingdom years ago. I, by the way, looked it up on Google this morning just to be sure you can purchase it for $29. And if you order right now, (laughs) I'll come back to that in a few minutes. It's actually a three part series. The first is the most outstanding, better than the other two, but it's a fun little story. So, the book, Tales of the Kingdom, is a parable an allegory. It's a picture of our spiritual life. So I'm going to tell it and also unpack it as I go so that it's clear, okay? Because sometimes we miss it. So I want to make sure we don't. The Enchanted City is the opening chapter. The Enchanted City, where we live. Are you with me? Once upon a time, not long ago and not far away, there was a boy, no longer a child, and yet not a man, who lived in Enchanted City. The boy, Scarboy, and his younger brother, Little Child, were not like the other children in the city. Yesterday, their mother had died. And they had immediately been taken into custody by the Enchanter's men. The Enchanter. Thank you. Just want to be clear. Satan. Immediately been taken into custody by the enchanter's men. Rumors said that the enchanter kept orphans to stoke the huge fires that burned deep in the hold of Dagota, the temple where the enchanter lived and ruled. A burner. One of the secret police who carried out the enchanter's bidding. Thank you. You're passing your theological exam here, you understand. <laughs> had brought the boys to the burning place, a vast square of ashes where they would watch the funeral ceremonies for their mother, whose body rested on an ornate bier in the middle of the field. The thought of his mother choked the older boy. She had been so beautiful, as beautiful as the daughter of a king. There is a king, his mother had always insisted, a real king. She believed the ancient tales, even though signs were posted all over Enchanted City. There is no such thing as a king. Death to pretenders. Now tell me that isn't where we live. But his mother had become ill, as so many did in the foul air of Enchanted City. In the last days before she died, she slipped in and out of the fever, often telling Scarboy the ancient tales from her childhood. Once, a great king ruled our city, she had said. All the people thought him beautiful and served him willingly. The idea is that he's a good king. He's a lovable king. He's somebody worth serving, and it's to their benefit to serve him. They served him willingly, but the enchanter came and deceived the people and put a spell on the city. The king was exiled. Those who would find him must hunt for him in the place where trees grow. Now, remember, this is a smoggy, dirty, cruddy, electrically controlled city. Make a long story short, because I'm not going to read the whole thing. That would be a great sermon, wouldn't it? No, listen to all the... It really is great. (sighs) Anyway, listen, you're you're attacking my ADD, and you're going to get me off track here. So let me come back. What happens is, because as would be expected under the rule of the enchanter, the city isn't run very well, and there are power failures on a regular basis. Everybody has to be up at night, daytime, everybody goes to bed, They say morning, morning as the kitties go to bed and all of this. A great story. (laughs) They're living in darkness. Are you getting it? But there's a power failure at a perfect time when, during this ceremony, these boys, especially the younger one who's going to be five soon, they get branded as belonging to the enchanter. And when Scarboy was a kid, he was going to get branded, and he struggled, and the poker, either accidentally or on purpose, probably on purpose, stabbed him in the face and scarred him. His mother had said to him, Please, take little child away from here if you can possibly escape the enchanted city before he's five. And as they're getting taken to the enchanter, which means they're going to be in slavery, there's a power failure. Perfect timing, and he makes a run for it. He carries his little brother with him. They escape the burners. The boy found a little money in his pocket. He had heard that taxi drivers could get you where you needed to go if anyone could. But would a taxi be safe? Surely taxi drivers knew the message of the drumbeats that were saying, we have two escaped orphans they're looking for. It's an all-points bulletin. Surely they knew. Scarboy had to take a chance. He grabbed his brother's hand, carefully looked up and down the street, and then hailed a cab. Can you get us to the end of the city where the forest is? He asked the driver as the cab pulled to the curb. The driver looked the two boys over with shrewd eyes. Sure, sure, sure. He said, but hurry, curfew's coming. Pay in advance. Refund only in case of power failure. Scarboy took a deep breath. The boys climbed in. The taxi driver set his meter, connected the power, screeching through the little traveled streets. He made his way quickly to a huge garbage dump on the edge of the city. Scarboy had never been there. End of the line, the man said urgently. Passers, Passengers out. Scarboy felt hesitant. Is this near where the trees grow? The driver leaned over the seat, opened the back door. The line only goes this far. This here is the dump. Then he winked an eye and said, If you look hard enough, you'll find where the trees grow. The boys climbed out, and as the cab sped away, Scarboy thought he heard the man shout, To the king! Mm -hmm. To the king! The phrase echoed through Scarboy's mind, but he had little time to wonder about the cab driver's strange farewell because the burners were chasing him. So he makes his way through the dump, and finds this amazing place where the trees grow. And he gets in, what's the name of it? To Great Park, where there is, in fact, a king. A good king who's been living in exile. Where does it come from? Right there. To the king. To the king. It's the cheer of the underground. It's the cheer of the usurpers of the devil's kingdom. It's the cheer of the kingdom people to the king and to his kingdom. There is a king. And that's the cry that you hear coming out through the book. So we read here in this first chapter of Hebrews about a great king that we serve. And I'm going to be very straightforward, simple and go boom, 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 boom kind of park on one section that matters to us because we need to make application to it about what kind of a king he is. So let's begin with, if you're, if you're a note-taker, by the way, there's your, your bulletin. You've got some fill-ins. I'm going to tell you what each of them are, okay? First of all, he's the king of creation. He's the king of the universe. We just read about that. You made it all. One day you're rolling it all up and putting it away. It's all going to change. Is there going to be a restoration? Yes, yes. Did he create it all? Yes. The creator is certainly the owner and the king of creation. And everything that he made originally was good before the enchanter got his grubby hands on it. The maker has a right to rule. I love the Jewish blessing this season getting into Easter, Passover, all of that, when uh, they celebrate the Seder, this is a common Hebrew prayer. Baruch Aton Adonai Eloheinu Melech Dr. Ashley, you want to interpret? Blessed art thou, O Lord, Baruch Aton. Blessed art thou, O Lord, Baruch Aton Adonai. Now, if you say it the right way from a New York City guy, it's like Adonai, <laughs> which is Adonai, which is the Hebrew way of saying Yahweh, because they won't risk saying the name. So they took the word Lord, which is Adonai, and they put it on top of Yahweh, and it comes out like that. Baruch aton Adonai. Blessed art thou, O Lord, King of the universe. Blessed art thou. Baruch aton Adonai. Melech, King, Olam. Remember that word? You brought it up two weeks ago or a week ago. The Olam, the word for the world. The Olam, unto the ages upon ages. That's what the That's what it means, ages upon ages. Blessed art thou, O Lord, king of the universe, king of all of time and space. All of it. The Old Testament identified the rule of David as parallel to God's rule. It was like a physical representation of God ruling in the heavens. That's why it was so important that Solomon be so glorious, so amazing, so wise, even though he blew it later. By the way, you know, isn't grace amazing? That he, he trusts us with his kingdom because we all blow it somewhere along. Have you noticed that? I'm the only person I know who's never blown it, but, but I find that we all blow it, right? We do! And those of you who don't have a sense of humor, sorry, I probably just lost you all, so. Yeah, I mean, I've got issues. So. Second thing, he's king of creation. He's the king of the Jews. This is Palm Sunday. We just heard it read about. I almost don't even need to repeat this. But I want to look at it from the book of John. The people of Israel got it half wrong. They knew that the Messiah, the son of David, was supposed to be their king. They got that. What they got wrong was they wanted him to clean up the Roman Empire now. Uh, This is an editorial comment. I'm just going to tell you right now, probably not in this lifetime is any supposed Christian political figure going to clean up Rome. Don't put your trust in man. Don't trust in horses. Trust in the Lord your God. The king of the Jews, Palm Sunday. On the next day, John says, the great multitude had come to the feast. They're coming into town for the feast festival of Passover, the remembrance of the great rescue, the redemption of God, taking his people out of slavery. What a picture, taking his people out of slavery. That's us, enslaved to wrongdoing. That's who we are. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, began to cry out, Hosanna, save now. It's not just save, it's save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Did you read that? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. The book of Matthew, the book of Mark. Add these phrases. Hosanna to the son of David. The son of David. There's no question they know who he's supposed to be. It's rejected today, but they knew. Hosanna, the son of David. Blessed is, here's another way they put it, Mark 11. Blessed, it's not on the screen. I'm filling this in. I just like to mess with you, all right? I'm filling these in in between because it's not in the John text. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. See, there was an identification with David's throne with the coming kingdom. There's a picture of what God wants ultimately. Hosanna in the highest. And then it goes on, and we saw this earlier too. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Because the Jewish kings, they should be on a mighty steed. You know, like, guys don't get out much, right? You don't know what I'm quoting. Listen to that trick. They said, I'm a mighty steed. Should be on a mighty steed. No, they rode donkeys. Donkeys. That was the king's transportation. That was the Pope mobile back then. Okay, was that was it? They rode on a donkey. All right, that was that was honor. That was not a, a look down. That was an honor. Yeah, it says humility, but it was the tradition of the Jewish kings. It was the tradition of the Jewish kings of the line of David. So it was an reinforcement that Jesus knew when he did that that he was fulfilling the scripture he was making a public statement in front of jerusalem in front of all the media all the secret police working for the priests etc he was making a statement i'm him here it is i'm him and here's the prophecy we're going to look at that one next he's the king of salvation He's the king of salvation. Let's go back into the Old Testament, see where that promise and expectation came from. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. A half a millennium earlier, a prophet says this is going to happen. I can sometimes predict what the end of my week might look like. 500 years plus? It's pretty good has something to do with God. By the way, that's one of the most neglected truths in witnessing to people that God has told us the future so many times. Not just the future from here. In the past, he told the future, and we've lived it. We've seen it. It's been fulfilled. Here's what it says. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with what? Salvation. Humble, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. In chapter 2 of Hebrews, the expression, the captain of our salvation. Remember that word? Some of you remember the King James. That's the way it used to say the captain, the author, or it could be interpreted the prince, captain, or chief. Hey, here's the chief. Hail to the chief. That's what it's saying. The king of salvation. That's who Jesus is. And they thought he was coming to beat up Rome, solve their problems, set up the Davidic kingdom on the earth physically. But there was a big part of his ministry that they had overlooked. All of those prophecies that Isaiah had said about him being abused and and striped, scourged for our transgressions. That whole part almost got completely missed. And he had to fulfill that. Yes, there's going to be a day when enemies will be getting theirs. But first, he provided for us eternal life. Transformation. So here's where the story gets interesting on our next point. By the way, salvation. That's what we're, we're celebrating what, when we look at Easter and Palm Sunday and all of that. What we're celebrating is the fact that Jesus came not just to be king, but to be savior. He came to serve as priest. You know, he had three offices. Everybody knows that? Prophet, priest, king. Right? He prophesied all during his teaching. He's the king of the Jews and king of his people, etc. And he's also priest. He offered himself, Hebrews is going to tell us. He offered himself to be the fulfillment of what Passover was all about, so that your sin could be forgiven. It's not automatic. You have to choose to be part of his kingdom. So that brings us to the next one. He's the king of mystery. Why? Why? What? what is this, some kind of a murder mystery thing? No. Jesus would say to his disciples, in fact, there's a great, great line when he's sitting around with his disciples and they're talking about him teaching in parables. Remember that? And his, Yeah. And the and the 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 people that are listening in, they're like, what is he talking about? We don't understand that. And so his disciples are asking questions and he says, well, to you, it has been given to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom. The mystery of the kingdom of God. But those outside, they get everything in parables. And by the way, he didn't expand there, but even if you explained it with really small words, they still wouldn't get it. That's the point. The mystery of the kingdom. Here's another way to interpret it. The secret of the kingdom. There's a secret to it. It moves by stealth, if you will. The cab driver. To the king. What? If you look far enough in the dump, you'll find the place where the trees grow. Those who search for him with all their heart will surely find him. Scripture says that. So he was saying, to you has been given the mystery, the secret, if you will, of the kingdom. Uh we wanted a kingdom set up, we want all our tax problems solved, and our security problems solved, and all you know i've been to Washington, very big doors. they got big doors in those buildings, really big doors. It has to be something. I had a, big doors uh, i've been outside the Kremlin big, doors? <laughs> big church buildings that 's what it was. It was church building anyway. Uh, They're not going to solve it. Not totally. They're not going to solve it. To you, it's been given the secret. And here's here's the difference. Jesus says, think of it this way. Here's a verse in Luke chapter 17. There will be no one to say, oh, look, it's over here. It's at the Kremlin. Oh, it's over here. It's in Washington. Look, there it is. Here it is. No. Look, the kingdom of God is where? What? In some of the versions, it says within you. Within you, among you, there's a secret resistance going on under the radar. Is it not? Versus the Jewish expectation, and sometimes even our mistaken expectation. There is an invisible, mysterious, secretly growing kingdom. Remember when Jesus said, "The kingdom of heaven is like this, like this, like this, like this, right? At one point he says, "Like leaven stuck into a loaf." A lump, right? A lump of dough. What happens? It spreads secretly. It spreads secretly. So there's an underground movement. This is where it comes down to where we're at, if you will. Anybody remember these guys? Oh, boy. Are you recommending that we see... Please. Neo and Trinity... Believe it or not, this is the Matrix. Sorry for those of you those of you who don't. This is the Matrix. Neo and Tri- Neo, the he's the messianic figure in this movie by the way. And the guys that made this movie confess, profess that they know nothing about the Christian gospel. I'm like, "Really?" The thi- that's what they said, and yet it is full of the gospel. It really is. So he's resurrected from the dead in the movie literally. And uh, her name is Trinity. She's a sidekick. Well, here's my point. They go in and out of the Matrix. They go in and out, secretly sneaking around in the Enchanter's City. You get what I'm saying? Secretly sneaking around in the Enchanter's City where everybody thinks they're living a normal life, but they've actually been made into slaves. They're literally batteries to run the machine world. That's the enchanter in that story. And uh, so they go in and out to rescue people, to wake them up and get them out of this lie that they're living in. Wow! I don't know about you, man. I see the gospel everywhere. It's everywhere. You can put that picture down. People are getting corrupted here this morning. I can feel it in the air secretly sneaking in and out of enemy territory to take captives. And by the way, if you're not content to just live your nice, peaceful, little, boring Christian life, you actually want to get your hands on non-Christians and help them become Christians, the enemy's going to beat the tar out of you. Praise the Lord. I count that a privilege. And you should too. Leaven spreads invisibly. Anybody, uh, this is not movie morning I know that you girls had a movie night this weekend (laughs) right? War room, appropriate That's warfare praying, right? Want to see God change people Uh, Hotel Rwanda came out a while back Very brutal film, can't recommend it All I'm saying is it was based on what actually happened 25 years ago In the land of Rwanda Like 100,000 people executed It was terrible uh, and it was it was an ethnic war that went on. It's 25 years later. Just this last week, somehow I lost it, but I pulled it up on online from the Times Herald Record, an article about a Rwanda 25 years later, because it starts out with the account of a man named Nkundier. He's 68 years old now, who murdered. A neighbor's husband, brutally, brutally, was part of the drama. He eventually got put in prison. He was tried and brought to justice. And when he finally got out, something happened. And here's how he starts. He's friends with this woman now. I'm very grateful to her, he said, of the widow, 58-year-old Lorencia Mukulamera, Ever since I apologized to her after prison life, confessing to my crimes and asking for forgiveness, she has accepted me. I can even leave my children with her when I'm away. A quarter century after the 1994 genocide that killed 75% of the country's ethnic Tutsis, Rwanda has six reconciliation villages. Does that sound like anything? Six reconciliation villages like Mimbo Where genocide survivors and perpetrators live alongside each other Convicted killers are reintegrated into society By publicly apologizing for their crimes Survivors profess forgiveness The villages are showpieces of President Paul Nagame's Policy of ethnic reconciliation Though some people criticize the communities are forced And reconciliation is artificial You're always going to have that I'm reading this thing, I'm going, where is it? Where? Okay, where is it? Where's the secret of the king? Where is it? Ah! About 3,000 victims and perpetrators live in the villages established by Prison Fellowship Rwanda, a Christian organization and funded by U.S. government, United Nations, and other donors to promote healing in Rwanda from the gaping wounds left by the genocide. Those in the villages also get help with housing and school fees, etc. I thought there's got to be a Christian word of reconciliation in here somewhere. How do we forgive something as horrible as that? And doing it in mass, if you will. That's the manifestation of the kingdom, sneaking up on the enchanter. I love it. I think if there's a word for us as believers, it's live it. I think that's a uh, future mission statement. Just live it. You know, Nike, just do it. Just live it. Live it! Because some of us think we're living it and we're not. Trust me. Some of us think we are and we're not. Some of us are striving hard to live it. Live it! And the kingdom moves forward, even secretly. People take notice, it grows like the underground. In the tales of the kingdom. Here's what the scripture says. Not only does it grow in that place, it spreads throughout the whole world. God had it in mind. I'm going to give you the the nations as your inheritance, we read in chapter 1, right? The king of restoration is the next one. But before I get there, let me show you this verse in Psalm 2, 7 through 8. It's referenced in chapter 1 of Hebrews, and here's what it says. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son... Today I have begotten the ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as thy possessions. I love that section in Revelation, and we sang about it this morning in that song. Great song. We have to learn that one. That's a great song. We're going to stand with members of the human race from every tribe, tongue, nation, people, group, every sort of broken background, whatever it is. We're going to be standing before the throne worshiping God. You better get used to it now, brothers and sisters. It's coming. He's the king of restoration. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Everybody here, I, I mean, I can't say for sure. If you're not committed and don't believe that the scripture is really true, this may not be so. But I'm telling you, I'm expecting Jesus to come back. And when he does, he's going to restore. He must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is? Wah! Wow. For he has put all things in subjection. Oh, there's so many verses on this, by the way. What are the enemies that he's going to defeat? Who are they? Oh, I am so tempted to use a political group, you know, use that name and say, Oh, yeah, it's them. No, it isn't. The enemies, the world system, the world system that we're under called the cosmos where it's dog eat dog. Whoever climbs to the top of the hill wins. Whoever dies with the most toy wins. All a lie. The world system will be destroyed. The devil and his angels will be destroyed. Won't that be good? Oh, he's not real. (sighs) Yeah. Your flesh will be completely destroyed. Wow. How many of you have ever wondered, when we get to heaven, I mean, are they gonna, is he going to play it all back? You know, is it on video? Think about that. You know, I talked about angels last week, and somebody said to me years ago, they're watching everything. I'm never taking my clothes off again, she said, you know. And I'm like, think about everything you've ever done. It's all on video. Is he going to play it back? When we get there at the great judgment, is he going to play it back? Are we all going to be humiliated? How many of you ever thought about that? Come on, be honest. I've thought about, gee, how much of that's going to get played? Oh, I hope they never saw me doing that in front of the mirror and fooling around. Like, Oh, I don't believe I did that. You know why it won't matter? Our flesh will be destroyed. You will not react sinfully. You who might be looking at me in the mirror video... (laughs) going, oh, is he a jerk? You're waiting for your turn, and you also are walking now in holiness like God. And you go, yes, that's me as well, Lord. That's me as well. My wife always loved to say, when Jesus comes back, some people cheering, yeah, Jesus, come back and fix those creeps. And she always says to me and to us, when he comes back, we will all be on our faces. End of discussion. Those are the enemies. Death itself will even be put to death. And all those who have refused the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture is very clear. It's not automatic. You need to embrace this king who is good and loves you. Did I say that yet today? He loves you. He's a good king, beautiful king. Everybody served him willingly before the enchanter got his grubby hands on us. And we can again. And we can now, because the kingdom is among us, working now. One last verse about this restoration. It says in Philippians, and I I quoted this a few weeks back just by way of reprising, Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I think that includes everybody and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Willing or unwilling, it won't matter, there'll be a day, right? That we will be on our knees either saying, I missed it, or I'm in. Thank you, Jesus. Your call. So when we have communion and I say to the king, it means all of this. And when we say, to the king and to his kingdom, and my wife and I refrain every time, there is a king, what I'm saying is, amen. Amen to that kingdom. Amen to that. I'm part of the underground. There is a king. I don't care if I get shot in my cab. That was an enthusiastic amen. (laughs) I don't care. Amen to that as some of the characters in the book say, I'm a king's man. There is a king. Speaking of a king, you might remember this video. I think it's the appropriate time to see it before I close my sermon. Let's run it. The
1: Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My King is a sovereign King. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's empirically powerful. He discharges debtors, he delivers the captives, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the age. the Lord, the diligent, and he beautifies the weak. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-frame of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is masterless. Is limitless, his mercy is everlasting, his love never changes, his word is enough, his grace is sufficient, his reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his birth is lighter. I wish I could describe him for yet he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible. your mind, you see, you can't get it off of your head, you can't outlive him, and you can't live without him, well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him, Tyler couldn't find any fault in him.
0: That doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> Telling you. That's my king. There is a king. And so the last question is Is he the king of your life? Here's the series, by the way Tales of the Kingdom, Tales of the Resistance. That's us. If you choose to sign up. And then the Tales of the Restoration. That's your inheritance if you choose to sign up. Here's the last verse I want to share. If you confess with your mouth, this is a salvation verse, right? Everybody knows it. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's not just a matter of checking off in your head yeah, I believe in a God. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe in angels. I believe all that stuff. That doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus as Lord, I've chosen to pledge my life. I want to be a king's man. He's my king. And if he's my king, he's got a right as king to rule his subjects, including me. He's got a right to tell me what to do. I'm not my own agent. I'm his. That's what we're called to, right? You've been bought with a price. You're not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Have you made that choice? Is he your king? Let me just ask you, is he your king today? Have you settled it? If you're sitting here going, I'm not sure, there's a reason I'm asking, and the reason I had our leaders stand up. We're going to stay after announcements and the closing of the service. If you're wondering, I'm inviting you up. Just come. You don't have to broadcast it. Just come up and ask us, what does that mean? to be under the rule of this King of kings and Lord of lords. He's good, he's beautiful. Everybody loved him and served him willingly until the enchanter got his hands on you. Let's pray. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you that you are a good king and you're worth serving. You're worthy. And not only that, it's the only way to enjoy the abundant eternal life that you've given us is being under your kingship. We praise you and thank you in that great name of Jesus, the name above every name. And Lord, if a a person is with us today and wondering, give them the courage today to admit, I'm one of those, I need to understand. And the encouragement, the courage to come and talk with friends who want to help them. In the great name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Michael.